Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Old Dad Jazz Podcast. I'm your host, Matyasha, and today I have with me another doc student. Her name is Lina Popretinskaya. She's originally from Belarus, now living in Munich, Germany. We're going to talk about how she found Doc, how her life has been impacted by his work, uh, how she found life coaching. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about self-help, calibrating, how she doesn't really calibrate, but she gets answers to praying mostly to the Holy Spirit and a little bit of calibrating. Healing of relationships that happen in her life. We're going to talk about letting go, how she uses letting go in some of her coaching sessions that she teaches letting go to her clients. Very interesting. We're going to talk about uh, how holding in your mind your end goal is very important. The importance of keeping integrity between your intentions and actions. And how when you're not into that, the things can turn awry, as I well know. We're also going to mention something that Doc often talked about, which is that the level of consciousness of practitioners are a key factor in any patient-client uh, outcome. So meaning, the higher the level of consciousness, the more success, the more likely it is that the patient is going to experience healing or whatever the patient is there to be done on, I guess, <laughs> to be healed on or worked on or whatever. And we're going to also, lastly, this is very important, making peace with the inner parent. Uh, So this is having a vicious uh, inner parent, like a strong superego is something that I've had as well in my life. So I found Lena had similar thing going on. So very interesting. Um, So yeah, interesting podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the new episode of All That Jazz. I'm your host, Matyash, and I have with me Lina Popretinska. Popretinskaya, something like that. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, glad to be here, and it's sunny morning. What's the best? Just to talk to a fellow uh, dog student. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, you were in uh, in Germany, right? Yeah, I'm in Munich, Germany. It's morning here when we are recording. Uh, it's going to be hot here as well. Like It's going to be like 34, which is like, I think in Fahrenheit is like 94 or something. It's going to be really hot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh, uh, it's a bit here. <laughs> Fortunately, it's a bit cooler here. So I have no idea about Fahrenheit, but it's about 20 something Celsius today. Right, right, right. Um, so um, uh, I I came to know about your work primarily through uh, dog groups, I think, and I saw that you are now becoming like a life coach. And but I want to first go into the uh, how you discovered Doc, because that's I think that's that'll be interesting to a lot of people uh, watching and listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I've discovered dog like beginning of 2018. Um, my whole life I was kind of um, improvement junkie. <laughs> so I really loved learning, growing in all aspects and most 
like my my 20s were spent mostly focused on my professional growth and stuff like that uh, and when I hit my 30s I started to think about more like okay what's my life is about how do I become a better leader and so on so I, I've actually enrolled in the program called the leadership gift program it's run by Christopher Avery, uh, Avery or Avery uh-huh. wrote the responsibility process book and what it's this program teaches to take 100% responsibility for your own life so how to move from shame blame obligation uh, to the level of responsibility and Christopher uh, at that time was recommending two books very very um, heavily <laughs> Right. You might say uh, it was uh, letting go and power versus force. So I gave it a go. I bought an audiobook of letting go on, on Audible. I've listened to it. I thought like, hmm, interesting, cool, makes sense. And I didn't practice it. <laughs> so I kind of... You didn't practice it? No, I didn't. Like I tried, but I'm, I don't recall exactly, but it's kind of went into background. Um and for some reason, a couple of months later, a quarter, like three, four months later, I decided to re-listen to it and also listen to Power versus Force. And something clicked. And um, I rem- remember because I was more in audiobooks and reading, I was cycling a lot. So it was useful for me to, to listen. And I said, well, I like this book. I like another book. And it makes sense to me. So I started to search for more books on Audible from Doc. And I found his lectures, of course, because at that point, I think the only two audio books were Power versus Force and Letting Go and a bunch of his lectures. So, and I remember the moment when I listened to one of his lecture and there was this knowingness, oh, I can trust, I I can trust this person. He speaks the truth. And I cannot explain it, it intellectually. I just knew this is, something this is something which i really really which really speaks to me and i want to explore and then i binged on all his work i read all of his book books uh, most of them twice or three times <laughs> i listened to all of his <laughs> lectures on audible available so yeah this is how i i met doc doc met me i don't know like it feels like everything fell in place um, and then, I, of course, I started to practice more. I, I meditated even before I knew Doc, um, mostly for mental health reasons. I was right. more like a special person. Um, but then I realized that I can also, you know, utilize this practice for letting go. And it just undeniable to see how, how my inner state changed when I started to trust Doc and try to be what he teaches. Um, cool. Yeah. So, and I think um when pandemic hit well shortly before pandemic hit i also started to search for communities because i felt like i like this work and i want to share all all of insights i'm getting i wanted to see more like-minded people i started to research for groups i didn't find anything in munich because i wanted to meet in person um and started to research online found a couple of facebook groups joined them and this is where i met eric who who organized the zoom meeting which runs every day uh, uh, since then. And this is where I met a lot of doc, fellow doc students. And I think this is one of the highlights of uh, my life so far, um, just meeting people on the same path um, and being able to be completely yourself 
um, without any fear of judgment. It's yeah, it's a wonderful journey so far. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's quite um, amazing. I I was fortunate enough to to go to lectures and stuff and see Doc, but. Uh, I think anybody that that finds uh, Doc's work and is and is attracted to it is some kind of I think it's some kind of destiny or you're karmically ready for it because some people hear it and they like I've given I don't know how many people at least ten or twenty people uh, different dog books and um, I think most didn't read <laughs> any of it or re read a little bit and weren't you know weren't that impressed so i think uh was it a sometimes it's a crisis like some people have a crisis did you have like were you going through something when you discovered doc or it was just like kind of organic i think that was a change in my life because at that point i changed my job after more or less i think 12 years in in in, in kind of the same not the same company but same group of companies doing more or less the same stuff. And I felt like it's not fulfilling anymore. I was good at what I do, but I didn't feel this fulfillment. And um, I always wanted to support people, uh, but I've noticed at that point that I'm actually in a bit do gooder. <laughs> like I, yeah. as a manager, uh, I try to kind of instill best practices because they're good for you. Um, and sometimes I couldn't understand why people cannot understand me, like what I say makes sense and so on. So I felt that I was sometimes pressuring people into uh, being something they are not. And I wanted to shift my career at that point and be more of like, okay, first of all, I don't want to be a problem solver. I want to put people above the results, what I do um, and what I do in, professionally. And I wanted to focus on working with people. So I've changed my job and became kind of a team coach in software company. And um, it, it triggered, of course, a lot of inner change too, because I needed to meet my old habits and mm. let go of them. And um, really, really start seeing uh, that there is more than one view of the world, right? And we don't know which is in quotes, right? Um, so the, yeah, I think there was some kind of shift of, you know, being this achiever and like um, getting this uh, joy from just like, like, I don't know, completing the projects and so on to more shift inward um, and working on myself more too, because I wanted to be better coach for people. Um, I started to look at myself and when I started to look at myself, I realized, oh, this is where actually where everything is. Right. Um, so I think it was like, um, it wasn't a major crisis, I would say, but it was a major review um, and shift of focus more from outside towards inside, I guess. Mm -hmm. well, uh, when you were in your, uh, I guess, the self-help phase, let's say, did you, um, I remember when I was in that phase kind of as well, like there was uh, Tony Robbins, do you ever read, do you ever read him? I know about him, but I've never read him, quite honestly. Um, I I was, before Doc, I was also in Stoicism, or modern Stoicism. Okay, that's cool. Seneca, Marcus Aurelius. Uh, I was reading some modern philosophers who kind of were, were kind of followers of Stoicism. 
and also a lot of uh, books on brain function on <laughs> uh, neuroscience i somehow like my my intellect felt drawn to all these topics um, um, from different aspects because i was also more like scientifically oriented i wanted to see how this like kind of place all together i like to understand things um, and it's a kind of a natural progression towards more spiritual aspects um, because i think i realized this is it makes completely total rational sense like stoicism to me or that yeah it's actually nothing means anything it's like what we put our perception of it um, is what what brings disturbance um, and at the same time there is this like probably you know drive for something more than just intellectual yeah. um, and i think it's not me like you know discovering dog it's as i said i, I think it's kind of natural evolution where it came in the right time um to be ready to receive the message um, yeah. yeah i find it so encouraging as well his work outlines that uh once you um in in dogs terminology calibrate higher which means which basically means you have less um less hate in your heart let's say or in your spirit and more love so in that way you 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 change the world and that's so um encouraging because you don't have to you know go out and protest against you know or uh, i don't know black lives matter or all lives matter or whatever you just uh, uh it sounds cliche but be the best version you can be but meaning that not not in the sense of oh i'm gonna do uh, i'm gonna accomplish a lot of things but in a sense of the soul like mm. the uh like the lotus flower it just kind of uh it kind of grows and uh and with that it supports all of life and i find that so encouraging like how did you take that when you when you first uh because i find it interesting i don't think i've ever asked that anybody like how did you when you saw in his work that people above 200 counterbalance certain number of people below quite honestly for some reason it wasn't a shock to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i don't think i kind of had it consciously in mind um but on, on some like i mean on some level it made sense because i think at that point i already realized that the biggest impact like i only can control one one control and cause right like only my inner state and uh, things in life are not something I can control. Um, and I always loved learning and, you know, becoming my, my potential. So it spoke to me. And I think it didn't click immediately uh, what he said, that this is the biggest gift you can give to a world. Mm. And I think to, to some extent, I'm still internalizing this because, of course, a lot of doubts come um, and I was always this kind of a rescuer person. Um, like I naturally want, want to support others. And sometimes, um, many times, it was an unhealthy version of this. Not exactly the gooderism. I was never um, in politics or uh, activism. Somehow it never appealed to me. But I did it like in a smaller scale. Um, and nowadays, I really, really want to, to become this message. And I see. I see this uh, like 
in my own life, some people just, you, you could sometimes feel it with some people, right? Like when you meet a person, you just feel that their presence is uplifting. And if you extrapolate it, um, yeah, I, 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 I was, it was a relief to hear this message that I don't have to save the ball. Um, and it also all was a relief because it meant to some extent I was doing the right thing, right? Trying to, to become better rather than to fix everyone around me. Mm. Um, um, and it was encouraging. You know, there, there was a, there's a Slovenian guy called Yanis Vitina that went to, you know, or a Sri Aurobindo. I think he was calibrated like six or five or so. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, this Slovenian guy went there and he translated a bunch of books by him and Ramakrishna as well, which is, I think, similar level, maybe 620, if I remember correctly. Uh, anyway, he re- translated uh, a bunch of those books, was there for like 20 years or so. But then he came back and then he wrote some other books and he's like, all that exists there in Hinduism and all that exists also in the in the Catholic tradition as well. It's similar principles, but done in, in a different way. And I thought, because uh, Dr. Me, he, uh, let's talk about religion a little bit. He, he reconciled the religions to me because it's like, you don't have to be uh, this versus that because there's different paths to God, let's say. Um, and for some people, obviously that's blasphemous, but I think, I think it is true, you know, that there's different ways. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I really like one of the things I'm the most grateful for the dog that he also reconciled to me all this question. And I was fortunate not to kind of I didn't have to explore everything on my own before I came to dog. Um, so I'm officially I'm Orthodox uh, Christian, but I was never religious and um, it's kind of was not forced in our family. So if you want, you go to church, nobody will judge you for going to church or not going to church. And it didn't make much sense for me that rituals, um, like if there is a God, why do I need a ritual to reach out to him? So it didn't make sense. Or this bearded man, well, I think to some extent I bought in into this bearded man. Um, um, what, bearded picture. man like me? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, but it didn't make much sense. My, I think intuitively, in retrospect, I always believe there is something which we cannot understand, which is kind of a source of this universe. I thought it was more like a law of the universe, right? Like it's something physics maybe didn't discover. Uh, But at the same time, I felt, I think intuitively, I felt there is something behind religions too. Um, uh, It just didn't make sense. Like, oh, how could it be that Christianity is valid and another one is invalid? And I... Dog kind of brought it all together and was like, oh, okay, who? Yeah, like they have the same core, um, and I don't have to buy in into dogma, but I can always um, feel like um, seek for this source of truth. And I don't have to subscribe to religion, but I also don't have to be against it. So um, these days, sometimes I go to church and I don't feel guilty anymore because I was agnostic kind of. And when I, whenever I felt to church, I felt like, what am I doing here? I'm kind of don't, don't belong. And these days I just realized this is a way to express your devotion. Um, and you don't have to, I think what matters is intention. And I think um, it make like what Doc described, it make complete sense to me. So after that, uh, I wrote a bit of uh, Gita 
I wrote Upanishad, uh, wrote, uh, read Upanishad, uh, right, right, right. Gita. I intend, I didn't read Bible yet, but I intend to read it. And like, it was so relieving to read this message and see the same truth, um, what was Doc saying. Um, and it was kind of whenever I find a truthful teaching, it's it's the same message. So it's so kind of also soothing because I'm a person of doubt, of course. Um, and it's always soothing to see, yes, they speak the same truth. Mm. It's like, yeah, I think um, in my life, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm the doubting Thomas. I still haven't read the Bible uh, mm. entirely. I've read two books, uh, Proverbs and Psalms. Um, and uh but yeah I, I intend to same same as you and uh, you know who else is is orthodox christian is uh, this uh composer that uh the doc mentions arvo part he's i think he lives uh probably near you because he lives in i think he lives in munich if i'm not mistaken but he's originally from estonia mm-hmm. yeah and i remember once he gave a talk and uh <laughs> I love to tell this story because he was in this, I think he was in, 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 in the 1970s, he was riding outside a church and um, this little girl came up to him. She was 10 years old and she was like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm, I'm writing music, but it's going really badly. And, uh, and he's, she's like, have you thank God for this uh, trouble already? or something like that and and he was like dumbstruck almost like wow and um yeah he he said some really important things it's not that we it's it's that a lot of times that we don't pray earnestly and uh and that the most sensitive instrument uh you know in the world is the human soul mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. like that i was like wow this guy is uh is really up there um mm-hmm. Did you did you ever uh, listen to his music? Yeah, I listen to it a lot. I love, I love it. Yeah, I used yeah, to. I'm really, yeah, I really bet with albums and song names, but I really just have it on repeat sometimes. Yeah, especially those two, uh, Fuelina and Spiegel and Spiegel, which means mirror and mirror, basically, is German. Uh, it's those two songs I used to have on loop <laughs> sometimes because they're very, you know, they're. Uh, they're just two instruments it's piano and i think violin and it's very mm-hmm. minimalistic but at the same time there's a lot said in the silence you know in the space and it's just amazing I, i'd recommend anybody who hasn't listened to it arvo part um for alina and spiegel and spiegel that's the only two you listen to i think they're both about 10 minutes long mm-hmm. um let's talk a bit about uh calibrating um so um did you did you dabble in it initially when you got into a doc and then you were like oh let's try this quite honestly no i don't know even the reason there was even like not a not a big drive and there was a lot of self-doubt in doing this um there was not much accuracy when i tried um and uh, like, first of all, Doc gave us already a lot of tools, right? Like a map of consciousness and reading transcending levels, you can often recognize just by signs, right? You don't have to know uh, the exact calibration. 
So I didn't double on it, but I was quite interested. I joined a couple of communities where people calibrated it. And some of them didn't help because calibrations were all over the place. And like, okay, I better don't go there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I realized how much intention and maybe like, I don't know, like this detached or non-attached attitude when asking question matters. So I found that it's okay for me not to be too hung on on it, but I used it from time to time. And actually a couple of big decisions in my life, I've calibrated them. And uh, for example, one of them was joining a coaching school um, and another one um, joining a school to open my coaching business. And they were kind of two of the best decisions in the last two years for me. Um, um, I didn't calibrate exactly the levels. I just like use yes yeah. and no. Okay, so do, do you do this or do you do like the O-ring? I, uh, I did several. I did O-ring, started with O-ring. I also tried to do the spinster, but I think I, I'm doing this kind of scissor mm. method. Right? Um, and because I saw dog showing it in one lecture, I said, oh, okay, I'll try this one. Yep. Um, so I, I'm doing this. And this day we also tried to calibrate with my partner, with Ian. Um, and it's funny because like we do this as a practice and it's not like, completely accurate and it's the results are different with me as the subject or, or my partner as the uh, subject. Um, but yeah, we always like, like uh, in, important decisions I always cross check uh, yeah. with, people, uh, with people I trust. And in most cases, I think like to know it's above 200, below 200 is enough for me. At the beginning, I was kind of Fall, fell into trap the higher the better <laughs> right right like right. oh it's not 1000 book i'm not reading <laughs> yeah but then i like through work i've discovered actually um some like for me i figured that a lot of stuff in 500s resonate somehow um more than for example sometimes higher teachings yeah um uh, so i realized well it's not a better or worse it's just being where you are and um yeah uh, valuing valuing life in all of its expressions so right. I mean, every level is okay i'm still like i'm still falling in the stuff again and again like the higher the better but i think it it comes like i feel there was a shift like it's it doesn't have to be uh, a thousand for me to value something Right. Um, the, I think Doc once said in a lecture that uh, I think when he was talking about Eric Hoffer, he said uh, at the, he was like 505. He was a, a philosopher. He's actually my favorite philosopher now that I've read some of his work. He, he's really amazing. And um, uh, he has quotes like uh, rudeness is the weak man's imitation of strength and stuff like that. Um, or power corrupts the few. Well, weakness corrupts the many. Well, weakness, he means um, envy, malice, hatred, stuff like that. Anyway, a uh, very uh, profound philosopher. And uh, Doc found that um, people, some people in the audience who might calibrate higher than Eric Hoffer could still benefit from Eric Hoffer because he, uh, he has these uh, simple but profound truths that, um, and also not everybody is complete in the same way that we are, you know, some part of you might be really developed and some part of you might be underdeveloped. So it'd be kind of, 
I, I think it'd be very interesting to see the development of the soul if there could be like a hologram or something you could see um <laughs> uh, yeah sometimes i think it would be useful if the angel came down and be like yeah this is exactly what you need to work on this this but this it doesn't work that way <laughs> right <laughs> This is why I think you know, if I were more confident in calibration, and I think this is probably why I'm not quantum accurate, I don't trust my calibrations. Um, it could be like um, finding these hidden parts which are not obvious for you to work on. Um, um, because most of the things we, we have, all these blockages, these positionalities, things to let go, most of them, like at least in my own practice, are below your level of awareness. Um, therefore, I welcome all the opportunities, which it's obvious that I'm down or anxious or whatever, because at least then I know something uh, is to be worked on. But it happened to me many times that I was not completely unaware of what's going on. Mm. So that's where probably this kind of Calibration could could potentially will help to find these inner blockages, right? Like, like is it something in my role as a coach? Is it something in my role as a girlfriend? Is it something in my role as something else, a spiritual student? And right. um, see, um, and but so, so far the best tool I use is praying hopeful <laughs> to Holy Spirit for clarity. And uh, even though I believe I not don't always see the answer, the answer is there in some form or the other and i don't mm. even need to comprehend it um as long as the progress is there and, yeah um, i've yeah. heard of people that um that say that if they prayed long and earnestly that they somehow got the answer one way or another so i believe that that is really true i think it depends not just on um yeah it, it depends mostly on the intention the earnestness sincerity of the prayer uh maybe the intensity i'm not sure uh and obviously there's some uh, karma has uh, some uh, role to play um mm -hmm. just quickly some funny story about calibrating early on i did the mistake that some people do I, I was starting to calibrate myself and then i noticed you know you know the funny thing every day you calibrate higher i was like wow and then after about a few days, I noticed this is BS, man. I'm calibrating myself higher every day. There's no way I'm calibrating the 500s. And this is this is total BS, so I shouldn't be calibrating myself. But I think a lot of people go through that, and it's kind of normal. It sounds like you didn't go through this. Well, I've calibrated myself, but I never trusted it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. and then, then I just uh, did what, what Doc doc recommend just read map of consciousness and typical attitudes and views and you will have a good guess where you are and i yeah. think that was enough for me um that's at any point yeah the ego part wanted to be higher of course <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm so special i should be higher um did you um so one feature of uh spiritual life i find is that there is crises that come up so did you have anything like when you when you got into Doc's work that something broke down in your family or some other area of life? I don't think it really break down. Actually, a lot of stuff got healed. For example, mm. I had a long time resentment towards my dad, 
um, whom I was blaming for the death of my mom, who was um, an alcoholic. She was a very kind person, but she she just couldn't uh, give up on it, and she eventually died. And uh, I just never could forgive my father. But mm. I think in 2019, in summer, I distinctly remember the moment when something just disappeared, and I could I could forgive him. So for me, it's more was actually well. <laughs> that's why I was always like cautious because Doc is saying like I have often breakdowns. You have a turbulence in your life, uh, and it's like oh my god, nothing like that is happening in my life. <laughs> I mean, moment. Uh, but there, there were there were a couple of moments where yeah, obviously I was down. There were um, things at my new work um, which seemingly went exactly opposing to what I wanted <laughs> and I was frustrated and wanted to prove myself like how could they like and so on um, and at the same time I enrolled in my coaching course so it's kind of was a powerful add-on um, to doc work because you also get more mundane worldly tools which kind of resonated with me to look what's really happening and uh, it was easy to let go I couldn't say that I'm always super happy person, but I don't think I have any kind of major crisis since discovering dog. It was more like a healing, letting go of my um, um, resentments from past, or also guilt, guilt and grief, a lot of healing, mm -hmm. guilt and grief. Um, and therefore, maybe, maybe something in my way viewing the world changes. So even if I'm not completely fine, um, I see it more and more often as actually it's an opportunity. So God is trying to say something to me. Uh, so I better double down on it. And sometimes it's also okay to be miserable. Um, yeah. Just don't really. You know, I mean, pretend. it's yeah. And usually you find you find your deficiencies you know, and the areas of life you need to work on. If you just look around and see what what uh, don't you like or what are you struggling with um and i know in my life there's been lessons sometimes repeatedly like there would be something that will happen and i wouldn't totally learn the lesson and then years later it will be happening again <laughs> it's like it's weird but it's uncanny and i think like you said everybody i think everybody has a different um uh, program once you set your intention on uh either unconditional love or enlightenment or whatever it is there's a program that starts running and that program will pick up certain situations and stuff like that so um but yeah it's it's uh it's an interesting journey um by the way I, i'm reminded of something you said earlier about you calibrating with ian and i remember doc once saying that some sometimes spouses or okay. yeah he said sometimes spouses can calibrate for some reason so he found initially i think initially he he thought that everybody could do it then he mm -hmm. then there was like oh they have to be over 200 and now some spouses can do it or some people because of past life things even if they're above for karmic reasons they can't do it so maybe they abused their uh, mm. spiritual power or whatever so this, there's a lot of things that people um, might not be able to do it. And also it's, it's uh, the higher you calibrate, the more accurate uh, your results are. 
and and so so how you hold it in mind so there's so many factors um uh, yeah so so i i think uh, it's natural that when we go to the facebook and where there's groups that calibrate that it's all over the place because that was my early experience as well even before facebook when people were on forums and trying different things and uh, mm -hmm. MySpace, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so how did you get um, and then, uh, so you, you mentioned a little bit um, that you were in this job and then something happened and uh, then you got interested more in coaching. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it wasn't any cause by job. I think it was concordant at that point. Uh, at my work, I, I hit a new ceiling. So kind of the first year of enthusiasm and learning new things uh, kind of came over and I felt already stayed on my feet and I wanted to be a better coach. So I've enrolled in some, uh, it's called agile coaching. So basically it's kind of team coaching for software teams. Um, and I've enrolled in some courses there and they there we practice like this 15 minutes one-on-one -on -one coaching and something talked to me like uh, something spoke to me this is really resonated with me and I saw how powerful it is how powerful the, and I think it's, it's more about presence than rather specific coaching tools but just person kind of putting their positionalities out and listening to you and having your, your best interest in mind even though it was a practice I saw how powerful it is so there I realized, okay, I want to do more of that. So um, I kind of started to look for the course. And at the same time, concordant with that in my job, uh, my boss was changing and nobody asked us uh, whether we want it or not, or what we think. We kind of were more or less were put in like with the fact. And for me, it was really a blow because- You didn't like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course, um, and because especially because I wasn't used to it, my whole career was kind of kind of on. Uh, I had a lot of freedom, so I was always either in the top of positions or my um, managers trusted me completely to do my job well. Um, while in this in this uh, company, I had a manager, of course, and I wasn't like the top top person. Um, I had a lot of freedom, and I was listened a lot, so it was kind of unusual for me. But I, of course, ego felt hurt. How could they? And I will. And also, it was connected uh, with my intention to get promoted because I've been uh, doing more, and like I felt it fair for me to get promotion. But then, because of manager change, I realized, oh, it means it will get postponed because um, the new manager, of course, they don't know me. Uh, so there was a lot of resentment <laughs> going on and desire, like I will prove them. I will prove them wrong. Uh, rather than um, rather than trying to let go and see this as opportunity, um, so I at the same time I think found coaching um, and I started my education. And of course, when you first thing you do, you work on yourself. You cannot coach others well if you haven't been through that. Mm. Uh, and I did a lot of work, and especially what was the most useful. Um, we worked a lot of um, really discovering your paradigm, your values, right? Like what kind of this inner drivers of your behavior. Um, and it helped me to understand myself even more better and then realize why I was triggered. And then actually it wasn't a big deal for me 
I would rather have a peace of mind at that point than to prove somebody. And then it kind of changed my relationship with my new boss. And we, she, she was actually the best boss I have ever had. Um, so, and we really were open with her. And um, I kind of saw this in a new context rather than like being resentful. Um, but at the same time, while going through this education and thing what effect it has on me and also um you have to practice um to, mm-hmm. to graduate you cannot just go and do lectures and that's it uh you have to gather a lot of actual coaching practice and while working with people i realized like this is a place where i can be unconditionally um accepting of a person in front of me and uh, i felt this peace of mind i felt gratitude for what's happening and I felt this is what I want to do more of so it really uh, probably the first time in my career where I felt this pull so distinctly before that it was like I was progressing more or less open to opportunities but I wasn't kind of actively searching for what I right, want to do right, right. I realized at some point I don't want to be problem solver I want to work with people but the, even then I didn't know what it means and then it really clicked when I started doing this it's kind of was again emerging on its own and uh, actually it was interesting how I jumped on that program because I actually jumped the three days before it began so I kind of appeared just in my time to, to 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 join and what what was more exciting the trainer elena she's my um namesake in one of the lectures i noticed he was telling the story she was telling the story about a doctor who healed his uh, eyesight by letting mm. go was like was it a letting from letting go book she said yes it was it's like is it dr david hawkins she said yes i like <laughs> I love this book. Okay, there is something in this. So it's oh wow, it's really interesting. She, so she she's only not a, knew that book. So she only knew yeah. that one book. Okay, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And she she didn't uh, read more than that, but she's still kind of um, still quite spiritual. She likes um, Rain uh, Van Dyer and uh, other teachings. She's not a doc student, but it was interesting. Like it was a sign from the universe, like Lynn yeah <laughs> yeah as a sign from dark from the other side <laughs> so, um yeah. so how many hours by the way do you need to because i know different programs have different uh, requirements how many hours do you need to do like uh coaching before your you get your license uh well it depends for my first diploma in that coaching school i need to gather at least 40 hours of practice uh, and with and about 80 hours of um, coaching labs where you do coaching under supervision, hmm. um, um, lectures, homework, um, attending demo sessions when you observe coaching and stuff like that, uh, live training weekends. Uh, and I also set my eyes there and then, then on getting accredited by International Coaching Federation. Um, uh, the first level there is like you need to con- uh, complete at least a hundred, hundred coaching hours, right. and you also send a recording. Um, so I kind of set myself a routine to to do coaching to coach people two three hours a week, and 
I really loved it, even though I did it on top of my day job. I didn't feel drained. Yeah. Because, because it's kind of what was giving me an energy, not, not aching an energy. Right. Um, yeah. I think that's a, that's a good indicator that it's something that uh, you enjoy doing because you get energy out of it. You're not, you don't feel drained. You fa- actually feel more energetic after you do it. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's uh, that's such a blessing. So so you're aiming for the uh, 100 hours now. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I actually uh, got certified in September or October, October, I think, already. Mm-hmm. I think by now we have more than 250 hours or something because I've coached more than 50 people <laughs> total. Um, oh, wow. Uh, not all of them, like, of course, like a full coach and some of right. them is just one, one session. Uh, but it's really something I've been doing for two years almost. Um, and before that, I, I did an elements of it as my part of my job because I was a team coach and I was before that I was a leader and a mentor. Of course, you when you work with people, you do elements of that. Um, but yeah, by now I'm certified. I'm I'm in the beginning of the journey, but I'm not at the beginning beginning of my journey already. Right. So, um, I have actually established practice already. So when I quit my job, I already had some clients uh, with whom I worked. Um, That's awesome. It gave, so, it, gave, it gave the ego <laughs> the proof that it can be done. <laughs> so, yeah, but but then people don't realize, you, you know, even if it's something um, kind of seems impossible, like you started doing two years ago along with your job, uh, like it was your kind of side hustle. But then through time, it grew and you got licensed and then some clients are like if they really like you they're like yeah i'm gonna have you as my coach and we're gonna work for three months or six months or whatever because you know i've been experimenting with uh coaching lately because i realized i need to because i have uh, some exams uh to reset uh at the end of august because during the school year i've been really slacking off i you know procrastination is something that it's been with me for a long time. I even asked Doc about it. And he mm-hmm. told me, you take your time, man. <laughs> I remember that clip. <laughs> I was like, wow, man. <laughs> I'll be glad to report, though, that I have been, I, I, what, what I asked Doc there, that I did manage to, uh, like, finish A Course in Miracles workbook twice. So Great. that it did work out. Just now I'm working on the, the school. Although Doc did, did tell me to that I don't have to go to college. So that's, I don't know. But it's 10 years ago. So I, I feel like um, things have changed and uh, I had guidance to go. So um, anyway, um, yeah. So I, I think coaching is incredibly powerful. Like uh, it's, Cause I was like, um, I'm in a rut. So I, I tried this, um, there's a website called coachmefree.com where you can get either one session or three free sessions. So I tried that and I tried multiple people and, uh, uh, it did start me and I started to gain some, a little bit momentum with my studying and all that. But, um, do you think, uh, sometimes when you have clients that, uh, that, this obvious that there's certain areas of their life that they're in integrity, let's say in other areas, they're just really bad, like uh, mm-hmm. irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Well, 
it's hard for me to say because like I, I really um, as a coach you really avoid judging so in, you really avoid making assumptions because mm. you never know what's going on that's why coaching is like more about people have um, helping people to um find their own answers and i found that people who are seeking coaching they normally already quite integrous otherwise um, <laughs> right otherwise they wouldn't be yeah seeking yeah for that kind of self self-selection and i also don't work with everyone i realize that not every i cannot help everybody um, but for people who who with, who, with whom i work they normally are already ready and yeah you see some attitudes um, are non-integrous, but they realize it themselves. Um, and they kind of, uh, the struggle is mostly like, yeah, but why I cannot like really let go of it? I understand what's going on intellectually, but I really cannot, cannot get straight. So caution is kind of um, finding a way around it or finding the proper tool or proper way for a specific person. And yeah. I teach some of my clients letting go and sometimes it's very powerful right uh, are, are you allowed to say as a coach you know you, you just need to sit you need to kneel and, and pray for about an hour <laughs> well i'm very cautious with that uh, but if i i feel like um when it comes to beliefs um i feel there, there are person uh, people who believe in something else and normally it comes up in one way or the other and then if I see a person believes in God in whatever form, I just sometimes say, hey, uh, would you consider just praying for an answer? Sometimes it's you don't have to know it now. And sometimes you don't have to know at all, right? Especially like with letting go. You don't need to know where this emotion is coming from. Hmm. Just to see it and not to resist it. Sometimes knowing helps to release it quicker, but if it doesn't go away, you just try different tools um, and ways uh, with a client um, so it's kind of hard to explain it's very non-linear too right <laughs> no? but, but i imagine there's also uh, sometimes you get clients where uh you realize you can't do anything and do you kind of can you refer them to other like uh psychiatrists or something because there might be something else going on and, and it's my ethical um, um obligation to do it right like i'm mm. i'm we have ethical standards and if we see this is maybe a mental health issue which not a mild one i would refer a person and there was actually a person reaching out to me and i really recommended them to go to to seek a professional psychotherapeutic health especially when it comes you now coaching is more future oriented rather than healing oriented it's kind of partially healing but it's healing to the extent to help people to move towards their intentions to get get clear yes. intentions to or to make them more visible the hidden intentions so people can align their life with these intentions uh, and it's less about healing but i found that healing aspects are important sometimes but you really need to understand is this person capable of going there alone either for example super ego is um, like you know benign enough to to go there or is there there is a professional help needed and actually i realized that a couple of my clients are quite aware about that so they have me as a coach they also have a therapist mm. so, um, yeah that's okay. what i need a, a psychoanalyst i'll tr i want to try a freudian psychoanalyst first 
and then go oh, to yeah. Jungian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, it's it's really realizing what is most applicable. Like Doc said, I don't care what tool. Um, my 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 job is to serve this person so they recover. In my cases, I don't mind the tool or person. My job is to serve this person so they can follow their intentions. Um, and yeah. So far, I, I didn't met any people with non-integrous intentions. There was one case where there was a guy with a lot of hidden anger, but he was honest enough to, um, when I said, like, you know, I see, I feel a lot of anger in you. And he said, well, yeah, make, makes sense. <laughs> 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 and he didn't do much to kind of release it, right? Uh, he was a very intellectual person. Uh, but in the end, somehow, I, I cannot even explain how it happened. I think he, he kind of let it go. Um, and, and really, really, it's like non-linear. I, I cannot say what's, ha what's happening. My job was just to, hey, this is how it's seen from here. And of course, I'm also not you. I cannot say um, how it feels for you. But how it's seen from here is uh, there is a lot of anger and it's eating you up. Mm. Uh, that was powerful enough to to kind of probably prompt for looking in this and shifting the attitude from yeah. life. And in the end, what we all want probably on some level is peace of mind. Nothing. Mm. I, th I think I mentioned to you before, but I, one of the quotes that I really um, that are so instructive to me it's almost like a it's almost like a lightning in a desert is the quote by winston churchill about um if if things do not get better if they're left alone they mm -hmm. they explode with a shattering detonation and i love that kind of almost like a war analogy but it's like it's true I, sometimes i feel if i'm putting off something for a long enough time there'll be something that'll go very, very wrong. And I've found that in my life time and time again. So with coaching, kind of looking back and, and seeing actually, what am I, what am I not doing that I, I am putting off? What is the, you know, cause I link in it to, uh, there's a quote by Eric Hopper that says the greatest awareness comes from work not done. So yeah. actually you get more tired by not doing something. And that's like, it's, that's crazy, but actually it's true. I, I felt, uh, I felt that like years ago, like uh, about 13 years ago, I did this program for a year, didn't study the whole year. Then final exams came. I, I, I made, I made a promise to myself, like a deep promise. I'm going to do this. Then every day came and I didn't do it. And then every day I was getting more and more anxious. So even though I wasn't doing anything, the uh, the inner angst was like eating me up. And then eventually I had some kind of flare up physically because of that mm -hmm. manifestation of, uh, of stuff. So I think planning is uh, and actually doing like is so important when you when you get to that stage. But some people to get some people like me to that stage, especially back then, would probably be some work i wish i had known about coaching back then that would be that would help me a lot <laughs> um yeah i was gonna ask about uh i know what it is now but my audience doesn't know the thing in the background um the stickers that's uh 
that's future planning for you. That's uh, that's that short term or that long term planning at the end. Yeah, it's kind of six months outlook from July to December. Mm. I must admit, it's from the pro previous year. <laughs> <laughs> I need to update it, but uh, yeah, it was kind of uh, planning. And what I realized, I, I was kind of a lot of there was a lot of conflict between action and non-action for me, especially you know after reading dog and like not forcing it. And what I realized that actually it's not the action which is kind of force. It's like attachments, right? Mm. Like if you, if you, like I do it this way, and the result I need to get is exactly this. Yeah. So if you attach to the results, then it's kind of eating you up action too, right? It's kind of an action which is draining. But if it's an action where you get enjoyment from excellence, right? Like mm -hmm. from focusing on the process itself, uh, the results will follow. And this was kind of a big realization. But yeah, I, I believe there is a um, power in planning. I think it's connected uh, with what Doc told, what we hold in mind tends to manifest. Mm -hmm. So goal settings is kind of a very practical way of holding something in mind. And especially if you're not super attached in the way you get there, it doesn't mean you don't have to plan like what do I need to, what are kind of logical sequence together, but be ready to shift it as you go. Mm. But if you don't go, like you said, you, you will just be um, as you are. In my, in my mind, it's like when you act integrously, you're aligned with your intentions then. And then therefore there is no spend, spend um, expenditure of effort but if you act don't act but and you have an intention you're kind of uh, resisting yes what, something in it it's um and this is where energy spends that's why you still feel anxious you feel tired and um even though you don't do something or you do something which is not aligned with that and then you also feel tired so it helped me to understand the importance of action and keeping this momentum uh, there is another aspect when when in action you also kind of break through these fears or anxieties because quite often what ego does oh if I do this this is what would happen and it's if I message this person like for example when I started my business it was terrifying right like I need to reach out to people build connections uh, mm. relationships and it's like oh what will they think about me and things like that so a lot of hypothetical fearful statements once you start doing it, you get actual feedback from the world that it's not as bad, right? It's not as scary. Yeah. Uh, I didn't die, so I'm still here. And it gives you this um, additional momentum to, to carry on or to learn, because of course it's not linear. Sometimes you do something, it doesn't work. Um, but if you don't do anything, uh, if you kind of wait, for life to solve it i think for most of us we are not enlightened beings um yeah uh, the energy will be spent on clinging to what we are to what's familiar right and uh yeah. what you said before uh, about action I th there's a quote from the bible like faith without works is dead and i feel mm -hmm. that's so much uh apt like in anything we do um because if you're uh, if you're saying you're for something, but you're actually not doing it, then you're actually not, not there yet. You just, you're just, um, thinking about it. You're talking about it, but you're not there yet. And I think, I don't think action, especially in this world, uh, doing something, 
Um, I think uh, that goes back to uh, something that's important to me. And, and this is something that I think Doc hasn't, um, hasn't mentioned much, but in the interview with uh, Oprah, he did say that uh, one has to master the world before he transcends it. So it does seem there is a correlation between, um, yeah, yeah, he did say, he did say not skipping the basics, right? Skipping like kindness and all that. Before he said people shouldn't go for the, this, uh, you know, Upanishads and the highest calibrating. You should learn to become kind first and then and then go for the really high ones, you know? <laughs> so, so what do you, I think coaching in a way, I, yeah, I think coaching definitely helps people to master the world because there's there's things about you that you cannot see. And with feedback, like like Doc said, like everybody needs a coach or a mentor. Like, you know, there's there's so much value in somebody looking at what you're doing and then be like, have you thought about this? Or have you thought about this? You know, because you by yourself, you, you wouldn't see it, you know? Yeah, you get stuck in what your mind is thinking. It's, it's kind of very limited paradigm for um, context. Yeah. Yeah. And I think good coaches, they also help to, the tough ones is probably nonlinear aspects too. Right. Yeah. They, a good coach will create a space of where you feel unconditional acceptance, where you're not afraid to say, yeah, I'm angry and I feel like shit, <laughs> you know. Or, um, when you feel that somebody values you for what you are already right. and sees much more in life for you, it doesn't mean that what you are is lacking, but they wish the best. So it's really powerful. I had, and I have coaches, <laughs> uh, several, and I feel it. And it's, you cannot really explain it. Sometimes it's not only value of feedback, but also value of presence of a human being who... Mm. Uh, to some extent, accept you unconditionally. And yes. I, like um, there is this uh, Carl Rogers uh, concept of unconditional positive regard. And this is like kind of a cornerstone of uh, coaching. Well, at least coaching is defined by ICF, International Coaching mm -hmm. Federation. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like we hold um, our clients' best interests in our hearts. Um, and this is what feels also very uplifting to me to be a coach because it's kind of my professional responsibility right, <laughs> to be what right. I want to be spiritually too. I, I saw that there was a study a few years ago where um, there was a control group where people didn't do anything. And there was a, a group where uh, uh, an untrained person, meaning not trained in psychology or anything like that, would come in. And just uh, be friendly with uh, with the patient, and just talk to them, and the, the patients would improve. You know, <laughs> I think a lot of times it's just a lack of love. I think that's that's such a, I think that's a, such a huge thing in, in the world. You know, a lack of um, self love, and then if you don't get enough love in childhood and all that, I think uh, it's and we humans are so complex, and 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 I think with coaching or with anything like. There was a uh, a story which I love that Eric Butterworth told, uh, which is a union union minister. I think he was like four ninety five or something. He said um, there was there was this neighborhood somewhere in the U.S. where um, most uh, students would do really badly, but then there was some school 
where uh, the pupils of this uh, school were, were doing really well over a period of time. Like they, were, they went out of the poor neighborhood and did well for themselves. They became doctors, teachers, you know, lawyers, stuff like that. And researchers wanted to know why, why the people from that school did so well. And then they, they asked the, the students and the students were like, well, this one teacher, she, she really influenced me. You know, she, she was really a big influence. And everybody said the same thing, this, this teacher. And so they tracked down this teacher, which was now like in her 80s or 90s. And um, uh, they asked her and she was like, uh, they asked her like, what did you do? And, and she just said, I, I simply loved them, you know. But that was the subtext to what she was doing, you know, like, mm. you know, so I remember Doc telling that he was, uh, he would pray for his uh, patients, you know, without telling them he didn't want to freak them out. <laughs> I find this so, so awesome. Like, you know, how many, how many doctors and stuff like that pray for their patients or psychiatrists, you know? Yeah, I remember also Doc was saying that recovery rates were correlated with levels of consciousness <laughs> Doctors too, so and I think the amount of love they give also correlates. Yeah, yeah but I can, I can certainly say yes. Uh, love is the most powerful tool <laughs> or way of being, uh, which uplifts everything just silently. And um, yeah, I've experienced it myself, um, and I see people experienced it around me too. So. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think love and, and also um, kind of ease, easefulness, not being uh, as serious uh, and, and just being, I think uh, being easygoing is harder than being serious, actually. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I am, I'm looking for my post-it to show you. <laughs> easygoing, relax. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that, yeah, one thing I love about Doc is that he showed me the value of humor uh, because I realized, oh, phew, humor, I can be funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's one thing I really think is missing. I think Jesus in the Bible there, obviously it's a limited script for what he said in three years, but I think there was definitely a lot of humor there that, that's missing, yeah. you know? <laughs> because it's not too serious yeah I, I really realize because my ego tends to be i feel when i become serious it means there is some agenda <laughs> going on and it was almost like they were two to me um which are now kind of merging one of a serious lena who is like very focused very like you know rigid in the ways of thinking and the ways things to be done yeah um, very self-critical um and there is another Lena who is very easygoing relaxed um funny um joking around um and now this kind of two personalities seemingly are merging um but yeah i could say when i one of the things i'm super grateful for my job which i left is that i could be myself there i could be joking in the all hands meeting with 150 people <laughs> and nobody would blame me for that and it's kind of brought this lightheartedness because i think when we are humorous we, we a not as attached to any opinions so we kind of we can flow rather than like hold on to our right opinions. right 
It is, and second of all, it's just the energy of humor is uplifting. And also kind of, it's kind of expanding the context and saying ridiculousness of stuff. Um, so yeah, I think being easygoing and relaxed also, not only in your daily life, but also in what you do professionally is super mm. uplifting. I'm really grateful for Doc who taught me to some extent also value of being ordinary which means it's okay to be as you are. Yes, you may have character defects on them, but don't beat yourself up for them. They're there, you, have, you, you are human, you have human karma. Uh, you also don't have to be special to be worthy. So I think this is ordinary, easygoingness, like single tools, right? No, no, yeah. Not the kindness or um, humor, gratitude, um, being ordinary. It's, it's kind of like provides in this life a lot of relief. And uh, I think uh, I'm, I'm one of the things which I'm really seeking all the time is this kind of peacefulness. And I think dog work brought a lot of peacefulness to this mind. Cannot claim it's most of the time yet, <laughs> but uh, it's certainly more of it. Yeah, I think uh, anybody that practices his work uh, will find peacefulness. Um, I think uh, kind of last thing I want to touch upon is I think very important to me as well. I'll, I'll tie it into uh, with the Bible there because there's a parable we love about the the talents. Um, so one person buries a talent and even that in the end is taken away. And uh, the, the, I think the third one that creates one or two more talents, more is given him. And I know that Doc said to be a steward of your own talents, uh, not just for yourself, but you know, for, for the benefit of uh, mankind and you know, God kind of, and so, yeah. So how do you, see, I think that ties in uh, very nicely with coaching because you are actually helping people to become, um, even if they're self-actualized to a degree, you're helping them to get even to a higher degree, right? Yeah, so basically express their potentiality at any mm. moment um, and uh, help them to navigate through this without, I think my focus on coaching is kind of grows from the place of uh, kindness or self-acceptance because the typical trap I see people falling into and myself was not exception is that I'm not enough so I'm growing to be become enough right oh I'm not I'm not this and I'm not that and I'm not this um, and all focusing on what's lacking and therefore always doubting uh, yourself like uh, always criticizing yourself rather than realizing oh I'm already this so I can from this place make a next step so um and I, I see this is really powerful to see this shifts when person realizes, oh i can actually try this or i can do it and um, mm. um i'm not good enough now um i just it's an expression of my potentiality and it's expression of uh, my intentions in life um, right i'm not irredeemable i'm not i'm not so bad because i didn't do this it's just that i'm not there yet 
right? Yeah, we are on the journey, right? Like uh, analogy I like to bring, when you are a hiker, being at the bottom of the mountain and the top, you're still a hiker. And every step of the journey, you're a hiker. You don't have to be at the top to be a hiker. But you hike in the mountain as a way to express yourself as a hiker. Um, And uh, same goes with the life journey. And that means, yes, some people maybe are ahead on a couple of steps on the journey, but they are in the same journey as you. Um, Maybe not the same. Um, But yeah, comparing to others is also a big trap. Um, in a healthy way, because I think if you kind of uh, compare yourself in the way Doc recommended, like, hey, imagine who who would you want to be? Would you want to be like Mother Teresa? <laughs> so, so kind of emulate rather than mm. uh, envy um, or feel inferior. Yes. Uh, I find very useful tool, actually. But when we always confirm, oh, I'm not as good as this person or... They are quite ahead of me, so it means I'm I'm not good enough. So it's kind of ego jumping in and trying to kind of get hold and controlling because without judging, it doesn't have any job to do. It <laughs> <laughs> needs to judge somebody. Like these people are bad. I think um, in his uh, classic work on the nature of mass movements, Eric Hoffer said that a mass movement always needs an enemy. You know, without an enemy, it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and I yeah. think that's how the ego works as well, actually, in, in a way. It needs, uh, especially when things are wrong here, mm-hmm. we need to blame somebody, okay? We need to blame somebody outside. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting because my, my, my natural tendency, seemingly, and also with lots, most of my clients, they turn judge, uh, judgment inwards. Mm. so like i kind of uh, have this strong inner parent like vicious um savage oh yeah that sounds like me as well actually <laughs> it's kind of um i found these people are less judging of others um but it's it never can be uh, one way um, i figure yeah. like even yeah. though i judge myself it means like I project it to some extent to others. I just pretend I don't see it. <laughs> so, you, so. you know that movie, uh, Matilda? No, no. Uh, this, this is a great, okay. If, this is a great character in the movie, which is this like uh, headmaster, Mrs. Trunchbull or something, I think. And she treats everybody mean. Like she, uh, she in one scene in the movie, she grabs the, this little girl, like, seven or eight years old by her she she did something like she had ponytails and it's not allowed in that school so she grabs her by her hair in the movie and spins her around because this was she used to be in olympic games like she used to throw things so she grabs <laughs> her uh spins her around and then throws her and she she goes uh, she falls off the school property like she just barely goes over the fence basically which is um like almost like a wide fence like um dangerous fence and she barely goes over and lands really nice and and grabs flowers and then in, in the movie she's like yeah and and trunchbull is like everybody in like <laughs> you just uh but that movie is so awesome and and uh, what i was gonna connect with that movie is that uh, like the inner parent is almost like that that uh, uh headmaster that principal mm-hmm. you know because she's uh 
she's so savage <laughs> basically well yeah when it becomes uh, savages because i think what i also realized um to some extent if you fight these um tendencies they just become stronger so instead of fighting um what i try to do with my clients and with myself to till i transcend them uh to give them a new job and more integrous job because in the end it's just the stupid animal trying to survive you know and right. um, thinks it's in its uh best interest so there might, might be some compassion to it and there is like an interesting exercise a voice dialogue where you invite to talk to this voice to inner parent and so on and ask why did you appear and uh, what were you trying to do for this uh, person right for this kid normally and in most cases it's like convoluted form of love basically right. right i was trying to protect you i was trying to save you it doesn't work anymore so what work what do you want to do now so this is also sometimes is, is helpful um because i myself realized i wanted to get rid of this inner parent instead of making peace with it um so my spiritual mentor helped me to, to see it that yeah, I have a vicious uh, super ego and also I don't have to kill it <laughs> because killing is still killing, you know. Right. Um, I, uh, I, I can make a piece with it or re like send it to retirement basically. Um, and it, it was helpful to see that, um, yeah, we often dream by it, but we don't have to hate this part. And this is, mm. I think, acceptance means acceptance of both positive uh, character traits and uh, character traits which are not serviceable to life too uh, and acceptance doesn't mean approval it just means seeing it with compassion and avoiding it <laughs> kind of um, is, is superego something that originates from uh freud right yeah yeah mm. I think that's why I would love to strive for the psychoanalysis. He he's the one that invented the term. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, I must say I love work of Jung. I'm reading yes. his work, and you could see it's more non-linear. Mm -hmm. uh, and well, I, I'm comparing to something I haven't read, like Freud. Um, but it's it's really interesting how Jung and how humble Jung was. Mm. It was very I, I read only uh, one book of Freud. I the the thin, thinnest book I could read. It, it was something about um, modern civilization and stuff like that. And the only thing I remember right now, this is years ago. The only thing I remember is that people find it hard if they have a successive uh, days where every every day is the same, and people find that hard. Uh, and I do, I do think there is some variety that you need. Otherwise, you you come kind of bland, and you kind of start to run out. So I think, I think that's why it's helpful to have like at least one day a week where you just like switch off or you know do something mm -hmm. else and recharge. You know, do something you, you love in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, anything else we forgot to mention in this podcast? No, nothing comes to mind. I'm really grateful to this opportunity to speak with you. It's just um, always nice to talk about dog and coaching, my two favorite topics. Awesome. Yeah, as I told you before, uh, it's hard to shut me up when it comes up. Um, 
but yeah I, I don't i don't think anything to it just yeah um reminder for self uh yeah we serve the world not but what we do or what we say but what we have become mm -hmm. um if all of us just focus on yeah being the best version in a good sense of what we can be um a bit i don't know a tiny bit kinder every day um then we are well off and humanity as a consequence is also yeah yeah i think we we can uh with forgiveness we 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 change the world in unseen ways and uh yeah, we're just uh, being more loving. I think that's the gift of the work. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, Lena. I don't know if I want to try your last name again. Popretinskaya? Popretinskaya? Yeah, Popretinskaya. Yes. There we go. Lena Popretinskaya, thank you again for being on the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. And blessings to all. And thank you, everybody, for listening and watching the podcast.